So this is the last and seventh sermon on a series, uh, a sermon series on the uh, 23rd Psalm, How to Love the World Again. We preached seven sermons on a poem with six verses. So I hope you feel we've covered this thoroughly. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I am sure that Katie and or Christine have pointed out in the sermons I missed while I was gone that the poet who wrote the most beloved passage in the history of literature, let's say it's King David, the poet who wrote Psalm 23 makes two important perspective shifts in his brief but packed poem. The first perspective shift occurs between verses 3 and 4 when the poet shifts from third person to second person pronouns. In the first three verses of this poem, the poet is talking about God. He's talking to his congregation or his audience or his readers, but he's talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd, says shepherd boy David. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. And then abruptly in verses 4 through 6, David stops talking about God and starts talking to God. Shifts from third person to second person pronouns. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. Thou anointest my head with oil. Now if David had submitted this poem to a professor at the Iowa Writers' Workshop, she might have gently questioned why he makes this abrupt, unannounced shift in perspective. But he would explain, and she would understand, and she would say, good poem. Because there's a sense in which this shift from third person to second person pronouns, this ceasing to talk about God and beginning to talk to God, lends the poem an immediacy and an intimacy and a piety it didn't have before. Shepherd boy David is so enraptured by this shepherd God that he can't just talk about God, he has to talk to God. So that's the first perspective shift in this brief but packed poem from third to second person pronouns. And the second perspective shift occurs between verses 4 and 5 when David stops talking about the shepherd God and starts talking about God the host. He shifts from an outdoors agrarian rural metaphor, shepherds and pastures and still waters, and moves to an image of God the host, the welcoming host. Thou preparest a table before me. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. God the host. In other words, the table is set. The shower is free. The hairspray is out. The eyeshadow is ready for your preprandial ablutions. The 17-year-old Cabernet is decanted and breathing. My cup overflows. I don't know if you've ever been through a dry season of the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever faced the noonday demon of depression. I don't know what all of that means for you. Maybe the deadline for your PhD dissertation is fast upon you and you've just got nothing. You don't have a stray idea in your head. You've gone to the well once too many times and now all that's left is gravel and sand and dust. Maybe you've been working 100 hours a week at your medical residency and you are just 
depleted. There's nothing left. Maybe you can't make your numbers at work. You can't make your boss happy. Maybe you can't find a job after months and months and months. So after a while, you just say to yourself, what the hell? I'm going home. It's late November. You walk up the front porch steps to your childhood home and the Christmas candles are already in the windows pushing back the darkness just a little bit and you walk in the front door and there's a fire in the fireplace and the table is set with china and silver and crystal and candlesticks and it's groaning under the burden of its plenty, and your father is standing there with a wine glass, pouring out the elixir of gladness into the chalice of mirth, and your cup overflows, you're home, and it's going to be all right. That's the image David shifts to at the end of his poem. Once again, your professor at the workshop will say, well, why did you abandon that powerful central metaphor of God as shepherd for a completely incompatible image? But David will explain, and she will understand, and she'll say, nice submission. Because they work together. Don't they work together? God as shepherd, God as host, guide and grace, fold and home. This coming Saturday... Americans will mark a portentous anniversary. It's the 20th anniversary of the destruction of the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. 2,606 people died in those twin towers on that day. It took them weeks to find all the bodies. But every one of those victims got a number, 1 to 2,606. Do you remember who was victim number 0001? His name was Michael Judge, and he was a Franciscan priest and the chaplain to the fire department of New York City. He was a beloved member of FDNY. He spent a lot of his time preparing firefighters to meet their maker administering last rites, being there at the end to visit the family. He was laid to rest days after 9-11 while they were still put it, pulling victims out of the rubble and counting and giving them numbers. His fine friend Michael Duffy, another Franciscan priest, gave the homily at Father Judge's funeral, and Father Duffy speculated on why Michael Judge specifically was victim number 0, zero. Zero, one. And Father Duffy said, Michael Judge's goal in life was to help people transition from this life to the next. And in the next days and weeks, we are going to pull victim after victim out of that rubble. Over 300 New York City firefighters died that day. And if Michael were still here on this earth, in this life, he couldn't possibly have ministered to all of those 300 firefighters. And so he transitioned to the far side of death. And when those firefighters come home to their father's house, it will be Father Judge who will be standing there welcoming them with his big Irish smile. And he'll say, Welcome, friend. Let me take you to my father. 
And so Father Duffy said, today we come to bury Michael's body, but not his spirit. We come to bury Michael's mind, but not his dreams. We come to bury Michael's voice, but not his message. We come to bury Michael's hands, but not his good works. Welcome, friend, said Father Judge to those firefighters when they got home. Let me take you to my father, the house of the Lord, forever. So, there they are, the twin images of this brief but packed poem, Psalm 23. God the shepherd, God the host. Guide and grace, fold and home. And they work, right? Maybe they're not quite as incompatible as it first appears. Because listen how the poem ends. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One Scottish shepherd noticed that in this poem about the loving shepherd, there's everything you need to know about sheep and shepherds. The shepherd and the sheep are there, of course. The green pastures, the still waters, the strong staff of the shepherd. There's only one thing missing. Do you know what it is? There's no sheepdog in this poem. There's no shepherd without a sheepdog. And so this Scottish shepherd said to himself, the psalm says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy must be the names of the shepherd's dogs. And so the shepherd says, The Lord is my shepherd. And I, more than that, he has two fine collie dogs and their names are goodness and mercy. And with him before and them behind, even poor sinners like you and I may hope to find home. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.